Part One, Chapter Nine of The Magnificent Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Magnificent Adventure by Emerson Huff. Chapter 9. Mr. Thomas Jefferson. Not in fifty years, said Thomas Jefferson in the last days of his life, had the sun caught him in bed. On this morning, having said good-bye to the man whose hands he had entrusted the dearest enterprise of all his life, he turned back to his desk in the little office room, and throughout the long and heated day, following a night spent wholly without sleep, he remained engaged in his usual labors, which were heavier in his secretary's absence. He was an old man now, but a giant in frame, a giant in mind, a giant in industry as well. He sat at his desk, absorbed, sleepless, with that steady application which made possible the enormous total of his life's work. He was writing in a fine, delicate hand, legible to this day, certain of those thousands of letters and papers which have been given to us as the record of his career in what labor was the president of the united states engaged on this particularly eventful day it seems he found more to do with household matters than with affairs of state he was making careful accounts of his french cook his irish coachman his black servants still remaining at his country house in virginia all his life thomas jefferson kept itemized in absolute faithfulness a list of all his personal expenses even to the gratuities he expended in traveling and entertainment we find for instance that john cramer is to go into the service of mr jefferson at twelve dollars a month and two pence for drink two suits of clothes and a pair of boots it seems that he bought a bootjack for three shillings and the cost of countless other household items is yes. carefully set down we may learn from records of this date that in the past year mr jefferson had expended in charity one thousand five hundred and eighty five dollars and sixty cents he tells us in the first three months of his presidency his expenses were five hundred and sixty five dollars and eighty four cents and he was wrong ten cents in his edition of the total in his own hand he sets down 
a view of the consumption of butcher's meat from september six eighteen one to june twelfth eighteen two he knew perfectly well indeed what all his household expenses were also what it cost him to maintain his stables he did all this bookkeeping himself and at the end of each year was able to tell precisely where his funds had gone we may note one such annual statement that of the year ended five months previous to the time when captain lewis set forth into the west provisions four thousand fifty nine dollars and ninety eight cents wines one thousand two hundred and ninety six dollars and sixty three cents groceries one thousand six hundred and twenty four dollars and seventy six cents fuel five hundred and fifty three dollars and sixty eight cents secretary six hundred dollars servants two thousand fourteen dollars and eighty nine cents miscellaneous four hundred and thirty three dollars and thirty cents stable three hundred and ninety nine dollars and six cents dress two hundred and forty six dollars and five cents charities one thousand five hundred and eighty five dollars and sixty cents president's house two hundred and twenty six dollars and fifty nine cents books four hundred and ninety seven dollars forty one cents household expenses three hundred ninety three dollars monticello plantation two thousand two hundred and twenty six dollars and forty five cents family one thousand twenty eight dollars and seventy nine cents loans two hundred and seventy four dollars debts five hundred and twenty nine dollars and sixty one cents acquisition lands bought two thousand one hundred and fifty six dollars and eighty six cents buildings three thousand five hundred and sixty seven dollars and ninety two cents carriages three hundred and sixty three dollars and seventy five cents furniture six hundred and sixty four dollars and ten cents total twenty four thousand six hundred and eighty two dollars and forty five cents mr jefferson says in rather shamefaced fashion in his diary i ought by this statement to have cash in hand of one hundred and eighty three dollars and seventy cents but i actually have in hand two hundred and ninety three dollars so that the errors of this statement amount to one hundred and nine dollars and twenty cents the whole of the nails used for monticello and smith work are omitted because no account was kept of them this makes part of the error and the article of nails has been extraordinary this year there was a curious accuracy 
in the analytical tests which mr jefferson applied to all the ordinary transactions of life it was not enough for him to know exactly how many dollars and cents he had expended he must know what should be the average result of such expenditures in the middle of a life of tremendous and marvelously varied activities he finds time to leave for us such records as these mr remsen tells me that six cord of hickory last a fireplace well the winter myrtle candles of last year out paid ferron an impudent surcharge for venetian blinds two dollars and sixty cents cents borrowed of mr madison order on bank a hundred and fifty dollars enclosed to d rittenhouse leaper's note for two hundred and thirty eight dollars and fifty seven cents out of which he is to pay for equatorial instrument for me Hitzheimer says that a horse well fed with grain requires one hundred pounds of hay and without grain a hundred and thirty pounds t n randolph has had nine gallons whiskey for his harvest my first pipe of termo is out begun soon after i came home to live from philadelphia agreed with robert chunning to serve me as overseer at monticello for twenty-five pounds and six hundred pound pork he used to come december first agreed with bolin to give three hundred libre tournois for my bust made by cariaci if he shall agree to take that sum my daughter maria married this day march sixteenth the first shad of this market to-day march twenty eighth the weeping willow shows the green leaf april ninth asparagus come to table april tenth apricots blossom april twelfth general thaddeus kosciuszko puts into my hands a warrant of the treasury for three thousand six hundred and eighty four dollars and fifty four cents to have bills of exchange bought for him may eighth tea out the pound has lasted exactly seven weeks used six times a week this is eight dash twenty one or point four of an ounce a time for a single person a pound of tea makes a hundred and twenty six cups costs two dollars one hundred and twenty six cups or ounces of coffee eight pounds costs one point six may eighteenth on trial it takes eleven dead weight troy of double refined maple sugar to a dish of coffee or one pound if war de poix to twenty six point five dishes so that at twenty cents per pound it is eight mills per dish an ounce of coffee at twenty cents per pound is 
12.5 mils, so that sugar and coffee of a dish is worth two cents. As to the code of official etiquette, which we have seen to exist in Washington, the president himself was responsible for it, for we have written out in his own delicate hand the following explicit instructions the families of foreign ministers arriving at the seat of government receive the first visit from those of the national ministers as from all other residents members of the legislature and of the judiciary independent of their offices have a right as strangers to receive the first visit no title being admitted here those of foreigners give no precedence difference of grade among the diplomatic members gives no precedence at public ceremonies the government invites the presence of foreign ministers and their families a convenient seat or station will be provided for them with any other strangers invited and the families of the national ministers each taking place as they arrive and without any precedence to maintain the principle of equality or of pell-mell and prevent the growth of precedence out of courtesy the members of the executive will practice at their own houses and recommend and adherence to the ancient usages of the country of gentlemen in mass giving precedence to the ladies in mass and passing from one apartment where they are assembled into another and so on through reams and reams of a strange man's life records why should we care to note his curious concern over details the answer to that question is this obviously thomas jefferson's estimate of a man must also in likelihood have been curiously exact he did not make public to the world his judgment of colonel aaron burr at that time vice-president of the united states but in his diary written in frankness by himself for himself he put down the following i had never seen colonel burr till he became a member of the senate his conduct very soon inspired me with distrust i habitually cautioned mr madison against trusting him too much i saw that under general w and mr adams where a great military appointment or a diplomatic one was to be made he came post to philadelphia to show himself and in fact he was always in the market if they wanted him he was indeed told by dayton in eighteen hundred that he might be secretary of war but this bid was too late his election as vice-president was then foreseen with these impressions of colonel burr there never 
has been any intimacy between us and but little association a certain plan of this same colonel burr's now went forward in such fashion as involved the loyalty of meriwether lewis the man to whom of all others of his acquaintance thomas jefferson gave first place in trust in confidence and friendship the young man who but now was making his unostentatious departure on the great adventure that they too had planned his garb ill cared for his hair unkempt his face a trifle haggard working on into the day whose dawn he had seen arise the tall gaunt old man set aside first one minor matter then another leaving them all exactly finished at last he wrote down for later forwarding the last item of his own knowledge regarding the new country into which he had sent his young friend i have received word from paris that mr broughton one of the companions of captain vancouver went up the columbia river one hundred miles in december seventeen ninety two he stopped at a point he named vancouver here the river columbia is still a quarter of a mile wide from this point mount hood is seen about twenty leagues distant which is probably a dependency of the stony mountains accept my affectionate salutations this was the last word meriwether lewis received from his chief as the latter finished it he sat looking out of the window toward that west which meant so much to him he did not at first note the interruption of his reverie long ago he had made public his announcement that the time of thomas jefferson belonged to the public and that he might be seen at any time by any man he hesitated now but a moment therefore when old henry his faithful black threw open the door and stated simply that there was a lady wantin to see mr jefferson who is she henry inquired the president of the united states mildly i am somewhat busy to-day tain't no difference she say she surely want to see mr jefferson the tired old man smiled and shrugged his shoulders a moment later the persistent caller was ushered into the office of the nation's chief executive he rose courteously to meet her it was theodosia alston whom he had known from her childhood mr jefferson greeted her with his hand outstretched and her arm still in his led her to a seat my dear said he you will pardon our confusion here i am sure there are many matters i know it's an intrusion mr jefferson 
began theodosia alston again her face flushing swiftly but you are so good so kind so great in your patience that we all take advantage of you and yet you are so tired she added impulsively as she caught sight of his haggard face i was not so fortunate as to find time for sleep last night he smiled again with humorous half-twisted mouth nor was i tut tut no no my dear that sort of thing will not do he looked at her in silence for a time perhaps my dear said he at last you come regarding captain lewis how did you know she exclaimed startled why should i not know he pushed his chair so close that he might lay a hand upon her arm listen theo my child i am an old man and i am your friend and his also i had need to be very blind had i not known long ago what i did know i am perhaps the only confidant of captain lewis and i repose in him confidences that i would venture to no other man but he is not the sort to speak of such matters it is only by virtue of exceptional circumstances my dear that i know the story of you two she was looking straight into his face her eyes mournful i was glad to send him away sorely as i miss him but then you said you come to see me about him yes after he is gone knowing all that you say because i trust your great kindness and your chivalry i come to ask you to call him back oh mr jefferson were it any other man in the world but yourself i had not dared come here but you know my story and his it is your right to believe that he and i were that is to say we we might have been ah uh, sir how can i speak you need not speak my dear i know i shall be faithful to my husband mr jefferson the old man nodded captain lewis knows that also he would be the last to wish it otherwise but since it was his misfortune to set his regard upon one so fair as yourself and since fate goes so hard for a strong man like him then i must admit it needed strong medicine for his case i sent him away yes would you ask him back for any cause in turn she laid a small hand upon the president's arm only for himself for that reason alone mr jefferson and not to change your plans for himself because you love him oh sir even the greatest courts sometimes arrest their judgment if there is new evidence to be introduced 
at the last moment justice gives a condemned man one more chance what is it theodosia he said quietly i do not grasp all this able men say that this government cannot take advantage of the sale of louisiana to us by napoleon that our constitution prevents our taking over a foreign territory already populated to make into new states of our own good my learned counsel say on forgive my weak wit i only try to say this as i heard it well and plainly as well as any man my dear go on therefore even if captain lewis does go forward he can only fail at last this is what is said by the federalists by your enemies and perhaps by certain of my own party not federalists by colonel aaron burr for instance thomas jefferson smiled grimly yes she spoke firmly and with courage i cannot pause to inquire what my enemies say my dear lady but in what way could this effect our friend captain lewis he is under orders on my errand i saw him this very morning i took my reputation in my hands i followed him i urged him i implored him to stop yes and did he not for an instant ah i see you smile i might have known he would not he said that nothing but word from you could induce him to hesitate for a moment my dear young lady i said to captain lewis that no report from any source would cause me for an instant to doubt his loyalty to me if anything could shake him in his loyalty it would be his regard for you yourself but since i trust his honor and your own i do not fear that such a conflict can ever occur she did not reply after a time the president went on gently my dear would you wish him to come back would you condemn him further to the tortures of the damned and would you halt him while he is trying to do his duty as a man and a soldier what benefit to you she drew up proudly what benefit indeed to me do you think i would ask this for myself no it was for him it was for his welfare only that i dared to come to you and you will not hear new evidence but now she was speaking to thomas jefferson the president of the united states man of affairs as well man of firm will and clear-cut decision madam he said coldly in this office we do a thing but once had i condemned yonder young man to his death and perhaps i have 
i would not now reconsider that decision i would not speak so long as this over it did i not know and love you both yes and grieve over you both but what is written is written his giant hand fell lightly but with firmness on the desk at his side the inexorableness of a great will was present in the room as an actual thing tears swam in her eyes you would not hear what was the actual cause of my wish for him no my dear we have made our plans there are other plans afoot these days mr jefferson tut tut are you my enemy too oh yes i know there are enemies enough in wait for me and my administration on every side yes i know a plan i know of many such but one thing also i do know madam and it is this not all the enemies on this earth can alter me one iota in this undertaking on which i have sent captain lewis as against that magnificent adventure there is nothing can be offered as an offset nothing that can halt it for an instant no reward to him or me nay no reward to any other human being shall stop his advancement in that purpose which he shares with me if he fails i fail with him and all my life as well she rose now calm before the imperious quality of his nature so unlike his former gentleness you refuse then mr jefferson you will not reopen his case i refuse nothing to you gladly my dear lady but you have seen him you have tested him did he turn back shall i his friend and his chief halt him at such a time now that were the worst kindness to him in the world am i am convinced that you and i both plan only kindness for him suddenly he saw the tears in her eyes at once he was back again the courteous gentleman do not weep theodosia my child said he let me kiss you as your father or your grandfather would one who holds you tenderly in his heart forgive me that i pass sentence on you both but you must part you must not ask him back there now my dear do not weep or you will make me weep let me kiss you for him and let us go on about our duties in the world my dear good-bye you must go end of part one chapter nine